0: I just wanted to make sure you found a way to find success. That's where I get my my energy from, is helping others to to reach their goals and seeing them succeed. It didn't feel like when I'm working to help grow organizations and provide opportunities for underrepresented populations, it doesn't feel like work to me. That doesn't mean it's not hard, but it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like this is what we're here for. What good is it for me to have gotten in the door at my company, but not find every way possible to open up even more doors? Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you so much for making the time first and foremost brother i just appreciate you i should just start by saying that i know that's an interesting way to start the interview <laughs> we will dive into more of that appreciation in a second but first and foremost would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself where you work and just anything else that you want to share with our listeners
0: awesome thank you so much kenny and believe me the feeling is mutual for you and the entire team at, at break you know how much i appreciate you all a little bit about me Dion Scott, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, born there, raised there, left for college, went to Hampton University. So I'm a big HBCU advocate, supporter while at Hampton University. joined the Coast Guard has a version of ROTC. Obviously the Coast Guard is a lot smaller than the other services. So we have our version called the C-SPY program, joined that. And uh, that's where my veteran background began a long time ago. (laughs) So I actually joined the Coast Guard in 1999, served 20 years and retired I guess almost a year and a half ago now, and a year out or more than a year out of me retiring, a good friend of mine, fellow Coastie, talked to me about Breakline. He was like, hey, I got in in touch with this company called Breakline, and they helped him get a job at BMC. You all helped him get a job at BMC Software. So Jeremy Pochette was my intro to Breakline. And from the moment he told me that, I was like, hey, man, sign me up. So I was super excited. And one of the funny things about when I started to look into to Breakline, it was how hands-on the leadership at BrickLine. <laughs> so I think Bethany reached out and connected with me on, on LinkedIn pretty quickly, and I was like, "Wow!" Like when you see at that time a company that's already having success and the CEO of that company being hands-on and reaching out to folks to say, "Hey, we think you might this may be a good situation for you." So just excited um, to 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 be a part of this team. And that's pretty much me. I currently live in the Houston, Texas area. Uh, Married, got two boys. I got a a fourth grader and a freshman in college. I've got the whole range. But just, just really appreciative. I'm blessed. I'm fortunate to be where I am today. And currently, I am a, a program editor for a global team at Google. Since November of 2019, I got an offer from Google, and just, it's been an amazing ride. It's been a different type of ride because obviously with COVID and work from home and everything, but. I wouldn't change a thing. I'm very fortunate. I
1: appreciate you sharing that. And one of the things I love about the brake community is the tremendous humility that all of our breakliners have. I know you said you served in the Coast Guard, but best believe I'm about to brag all about your career and all the amazing <laughs> things that you've done because the humility is amazing. So I checked out your LinkedIn profile. And one of the things I love on your profile, we celebrate celebrating Black History Month this, this month. It's, it's February 2021. I see the Hampton, you on there, but I also see the HBCU advocate, man. Can you So can you share with me, please, what was it like? What's the HBCU experience? What is an HBCU for people who might not know what that is? And tell me about the experience of going to an HBCU.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. HBCU, historically black colleges and universities. I'm biased. I think Hampton University is the best of them all. Oh, why If I but... find words for some listening now? <laughs> But there's obviously amazing HBCUs and there's a, tr- a rich tradition and a rich history with with historically black colleges, and there's a, there's a big correlation with a lot of the American, the African American titans and heroes from our past and from our current times that are all uh, associated with HBCUs. So, obviously the Martin Luther Kings of the world, but then you also have the current vice president in Kamala Harris, who went to, who went to Howard University. So, it's something I'm proud of. It's one of those things where there's so much success that comes out of historically black colleges and I want to, and when I add HBCU advocate to my LinkedIn profile, it's to underscore, not me, but the tremendous amount of success that's out there across the, across the different fields. So it's not just, okay, if you went to an HBC, you'll be okay in business, or if you went to an HBCU, you'll be okay in law, it's across the gamut. So I'm just it's just one of those things that I'm so excited about. When I went to Hampton, I visited once and it was a, it was an easy decision. I felt at home and I felt a connection to to that campus and over my 4 years there, I just grew as a man, as a person. It it just provided me with so much love and support and to this day. So it's one of those things where I graduated from Hampton in 2001. So sometimes folks will, yeah, you still talk about your school like you, you can't see me right now, but there's normally there's a big Hampton banner right behind me, but that's the, the connection that I have to my alma mater. met my wife there. Most of my, my closest friends who are now family member who I consider now family also went to Hampton with me. So it was just something that it shaped who I am today. It shaped, it, it, it taught me how to be a leader. It taught me how to give back. It taught me so many things about just life and I wouldn't change it for the world. So now As I move forward, I I try to find ways to give back and support that community. So with a company like Google or other tech companies, I I get excited when I see HBCU alumni having opportunities within our companies doing uh, amazing things. So like right now the current chief diversity officer of of Google is a Hampton grad. We're doing great things and I wanna continue to, to, to spotlight that and highlight that as much as I can.
1: What I love about having you on our Alumni Council, is I think it is so important to have the exact perspective that you just mentioned. And for anyone who does not know a ton about historically black colleges and universities, they literally were the lifeblood African Americans in this country to have access to education in the late 1800s, 1900s. The legacy is so rich and and steeped with excellence, like you just mentioned. One of the things I think is really cool about your story is... You've been about that life before it was cool. And what I mean by that is these days, every company has chief diversity officer. you are talking diversity, inclusion, equity, equal opportunity. Like, it's cool now. And I'm so glad we're in this moment. But I was going back and I looked at an article from 2013, Mm -hmm. back in your days in the Coast Guard, and I saw that you were recognized um, with an award for your diversity efforts. It was Blacks in Government Meritorious Service Award. Mm Mm-hmm and you played a critical role in helping Breakline roll out our vertical apex which is for people of color why is this something that you are so passionate about
0: it's my first job in the coast guard and this is not this is not normal most folks go to a cutter or a operational unit i was a marketing major at hampton and when I came out of Officer Candidate School in the Coast Guard, my, they, my first duty station was the Coast Guard Recruiting Command. So <laughs> not your normal first unit for an incident in the Coast Guard, but it, it, it changed my life. And I say that because while at that job, I had an opportunity to take o- over leadership of the Coast Guard's version of ROTC, which is called the College Student Pre-Commissioning Initiative. But what that program is, was a an entryway to increase the diversity population of the Coast Guard's minority, minorities in in, in our officer corps. So the Coast Guard has struggled historically in attracting and retaining officers from underrepresented populations. I got a chance to take lead of that program. And that's really, that was like I said, 2001. So right in the beginning of my Coast Guard career. So that's where it started. And like you said, that's before most companies had a diversity mission or goal or whatever the case may be. But even after I got transferred from that role in the Coast Guard, you know, my next tour, I went on to, 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 to Galveston, Texas, to lead some maritime security efforts down here. I still held on to that because it was something that I just developed a, a passion for. It's a passion for giving back. So what that program did and going back to my Hampton days, that's how I got, that's how I was able to afford Hampton. I. Once I joined the c Spy program at Hampton, the, the Coast Guard's officer uh, minority officer recruitment program, that by being in that program, the Coast Guard paid for me to go to college my last two years and paid me a salary while I was in college. So I was a person who I don't know if I would have been able to finish at Hampton yet. I talked about my love for that school, my love for that place. We call it our home by the sea. And mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, I might not have been able to to finish there if not for this opportunity. So once I got a chance to lead this, as a young officer, I just I, I I grew so much more attached to it and, and the mission of it, which was to provide opportunities for uh, people like me who are at a HBCU, at a Morehouse, at a Spelman, at a, fan, a Florida A and M, at a North Carolina A and T, who are doing great academically and want to graduate but may not have the, the 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 finances. So it just became something that was a mission for me to provide opportunities for people and. I was doing it for the coast guard, but I didn't I'll be honest. I didn't care if you joined the coast guard or the Navy or the army. I just wanted to make sure you found a way to find success, to be able to graduate, get it paid for it and start in, in, in a career. And it just grew from there. So once I left that job, I was able to take on some collateral roles where I was continuing to advise senior staff in, in the coast guard and connecting them with, with different schools and then taking alumni from these schools. And having them go back to continue to recruit and bring more people on as i look back at my 20-year career in the coast guard it's funny when i retired people like what was your most important job what was your most what was your favorite job and i had a chance to work in the obama administration at the department of homeland security as the military aide to the secretary at the time from 2014 to 2016 and i got some really cool medals and i got some really cool accolades from that job but my most important what i got most value of out of over my time in the coast guard was seeing the folks who I helped recruit into the coast guard the young men the young females from a variety of different backgrounds go on to go within the coast guard get law school get commanding officer of different units to get special assignments and and do all these amazing things that's where I get my my energy from is helping others to to reach their goals and seeing them succeed so That's what led to that that Blacks in Government award was someone my the leadership in my unit at that time decided to to nominate me for that award and it just captured what wasn't an individual mission it was a team it was a team effort but a big part of that was what we called the HBCU Ambassador program which was taking HBCU alumni from the Coast Guard and getting them back plugged in with the communities at their previous schools and helping drive a, a pipeline into the Coast Guard and. 10 years later, 12 years later, the people who came into the Coast Guard during that time are now 03s and 04s and doing their dang thing. So it's exciting to see. There's challenges along the way, but it was exciting to, to be a part of it.
1: In my head, my head I get stuck in my head So you hit on a lot that I we could unpack
0: I'm talking too much, I apologize No, 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 <laughs> you're not, no
1: man, look, you dropping some knowledge right now This is exactly what I was hoping we get a chance to do And you hit on something <clears> that I really wanted to now pivot as we talk about Breakline Apex mm-hmm. And the word that you mentioned was pipeline Mm -hmm. And as as I know, as we look at the diversity numbers within the tech industry, they're not reflective of the United States. They're not reflective. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot. Yep. Can you
0: tell me what it's like to be black in tech right now? What is it like to be black in tech right now? It's. I'm proud to be a black man. in, In tech, there's no doubt about that. But I compare it very similarly to being a black man in the military. It's and in the Coast Guard, in, in my experience in particular, it's not perfect. I never, when I would recruit for the Coast Guard, if I went to, to, to Morgan State University and I talked to a young man, young woman or whatever, and they're like, are there going to be challenges? Yes, there are going to be challenges. So to best answer your questions, there are challenges in tech across the board, but what I would never do is steer someone away from an opportunity that can be life-changing because there's challenges. I want us to meet those challenges and tackle those challenges versus running away from those challenges. Because what are you running to? Are you running to the other field? Like, oh, I, I don't want to work in tech because I've heard there's uh, a lack of diversity. So I'm going to go say, I'm going to go and in, 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 in pursue a legal career. Guess what? There's challenges there too. So I feel my job being in tech now is to be a part of the solution, be a part of the fix. I'd be lying to you if I said it was easy. I'd be lying to you. If I said it's going to happen overnight, it's, just, it's not, but you have to be on the inside to help to, 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 to start to make the change and you have to be willing to have your voice be heard. I love being in tech. I've only been just since November of 2019, but I've enjoyed my experience. I feel my team has been great. I feel supported. I feel heard. I feel visible, I feel like I succeed, but I know that's not the experience for everyone. So what we try to do is is be as supportive of each other as we can. And then for me, find more opportunities and avenues to get more of that talented, talented population in roles and senior roles, not just middle or ever getting roles, senior roles. So that's a fight that we continue to have. As I think back to <clears throat> Apex In the initial conversation that I had with Bethany over, over the summer, she reached out, we were playing phone tag and we finally got a chance to talk and, and she laid out the vision for the program. And I was like, to me, there's so many correlations between what Brickline Apex, the goal, the vision for it is, and what we were trying to do for my time in the Coast Guard. And like I just explained to you, I was fighting and I was, I enjoyed it. It didn't feel like it, when I'm working to help grow organizations and provide opportunities for underrepresented populations, it doesn't feel like work to me. That doesn't mean it's not hard, but it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like this is what we're here for. What good is it for me to have gotten in the door at my company, but not find every way possible to open up even more doors for, for others uh, who are way smarter and savvy and talented than, than I am. I immediately bought into the, <laughs> what Bethany and the leadership team at, at Brickline were about when we talked about APEX the successful model that was already there for addressing another area of concern, which was the original break line, pipeline for for veterans. So I'm already 100% on board on that. And then once we talked about APEX and really helping to solve for that problem and understanding that it's a long-term solution and not something that that happens overnight, I'm like, I I basically told Bevan, count me in because it's basically marrying all the things that I'm so passionate about all into one. I've told you this before, I want to be there to support. I want to be there to help grow Apex and and be as supportive as I can because it's just something that, like I said, my energy goes up when I see more representation across the board in in, in these companies. It just makes me feel like, okay, we're doing something. We're on the right track. We're really making a difference. What
1: I love about that is my favorite part of what you just got done saying is how it's a... Fight, but it doesn't feel like one because it's something that you believe in. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's been the story of the black experience. Yeah. <laughs> Since we done messed mess around and got here, man. Yeah. Like, no, seriously. You know, it's, it's it's looking towards the next generation, man. And I think, especially with the way that the tech industry is growing, the way that there's just opportunities for upward mobility, opportunities for growth and professional development. I think. The Mm -hmm. laser-like focus that you have brought to this space, it's inspiring, man. So I just wanted to share that before I moved on to the next question. I want to do a dealer's choice here because I think we could take this one of two ways, and I'd love to see which way you want to go with this. So we could either talk about like an aspirational question like hope for the next generation or hope for the next five, ten years. Or we could talk about the culture, man. What's something about the culture that people who might not be intimately familiar with the Black experience should know? <laughs> like, what's Black excellence mean to you? What do you love about being Black? I got some. I got. Look, we got questions for days, so it just depends it which becoming. way you want to take this thing, man.
0: Because we can go. I say let's talk about the culture. Let's, let's talk, talk about let, the culture. Let's
1: talk about the culture, man. Because I, you know the what? Beauty, look, I love you. Just I love the culture, man. T- tell me about the culture, it's,
0: bro. It's there's nothing like it, man. Come there's on, nothing like man. it. Come on, man. The culture, it's, it's the creativity of the hmm. culture. It's the ability to take the, the, the talent in, in, in the culture. I hear our music and I'm like... Come on. There's n- I, I don't know anything can touch that. I see the art. I see the... athletics i see the politicians like we there's a different way we go about things and the way we go about things despite the the the, whatever's happened in the past despite how however much is thrown at folks and i'll and i'll use and i know this is an easy one to pick but president obama former president obama it's so easy to be like, "Oh, he's the elite." Da 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 I'm like, no. Do you know his story? <laughs> this dude comes from a, a, a single parent household and and, and lived in, in in Hawaii and went to school on his own dollar. When I really fell in love with him, and I told my wife this, when I and I can't remember which one of his early books talked about it, where he talked about how he had just recently paid off his student loans, and I'm like, I yeah. feel that. Yep. I, I feel that. This is a real guy. <laughs> he about that life. He, be,
1: hey, the Obamas are really about that life, man. For y'all who because, don't know, yeah, re, read The Audacity the of Hope. Exactly.
0: Read, read before, Becoming. Look, the Obamas about that life. <laughs> if you don't read the books and you just see them now, you see Harvard and law school and, uh, you, see, and you think it was always like that for them. No, they, this is a self-made, this is a true American story. Look, Michelle and from I'm the
1: South Side of Chicago. South y'all. Side of
0: Chicago. I, I I put a post on LinkedIn a week or so ago that talked about like we watched the inauguration, and I'm not going to get political, but we watched the inaug- inauguration, and when I saw the VP swearing in, I was tearing up, and I don't have no problem, macho whatever, saying that I was, and I didn't expect it. I knew I was going to be excited. I knew I was going to be proud because she's everything she represents. What I talked about in this quick post that I did on LinkedIn was how much that representation means to me. I see me. I see her parents are immigrants. My parents are immigrants. My parents came from Jamaica in the seventies and, and started a family and my, and to see me be able to go off to college. And my sister went to your alma to West Point. And it's so easy to look now and be like, oh, you guys have had some, some success. Like, no, you have to understand the story where we come from, where my family comes from. So when I see Kamala Harris and knowing her dad came from Jamaica and her mom came from India and her story coming up on the West Coast and her story going to uh, an HBCU and her story being a part of uh, uh, the Divine Nine, one of the the, the Black Greek organizations, she's a, a AKA Alpha Kappa Alpha and I'm an Alpha Phi Alpha, like all those things, it it it's it it a point of pride just came came up in me and it turned into tears. Like it's something that I see the African-American story in her. I see, and I see my story in that. And I get excited when I see all of our stories because it doesn't, the culture isn't just one thing. It's so many different things. It's folks who were born and raised here. It's folks whose parents uh, came from other countries, but we all have this shared experience and I love it. I I love every bit of it. Come on, man.
1: Come on, you gonna mess around get me fired up over here, brother. (laughs) You're going to get me fired up. So in the interest of time, I got mm-hmm. one last question for you. And we're going, you might, if we going to do a little lightning round. Let's do it. I'll try to keep I'm my answers at, more brief. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going. So this one, but these are going to be multiple choice. So this will it'll be really easy. But before I do that, I would love to hear just from my own personal reference. If there is one aspirational figure within the African-American community that you look towards, who is that individual for you?
0: It's a good one. I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna go easy. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm gonna go easy and go with with MLK. And the reason why, and I guess, and I call that cheating because that's the one that everybody can just pick out because we got an MLK day. But part of I'm still learning so much about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, like how young he was when he Mm. was leading these movements. How young he was when he graduated from Morehouse College. Like, this dude was literally like a, a, a savant. He was before his time. And against all odds and watching like his speeches from like the nights where he got closer and closer to where he just knew something was coming and how still poised he was. And then on top of that, he's an alpha. So I connect I connect that. But like, once again, he's just another one of those American dreams of someone who, Packed so much impact into a short period of time, he changed the world in a very short period of time. That's why I, I, I hold him to a high a high, a high, a high, regard. There's a reason
1: he's an easy choice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a reason he's an easy choice. Plus, you know, he was Alpha Man, so I can't say I blame you for that. Well, so, yeah, I, I, I know I mean,
0: whoever's <laughs> listening to this is gonna be like, Really, MLK, that's all you got. I'm listening, I'm continuing but, to connect but, the dot. What, what do I say? I'm connecting to HBCU. I'm connecting Divine, like from the first question you asked me, I put all those points into play and he connects all those, he connects all those dots for me. So I, he's somebody I I, I hold to a very high, 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 high level.
1: Hey, look, real talk though, real talk. There's, and and I'm so, I think this is the great thing about getting a little bit older, man, is I I feel like as we grow more mature and we start to get to the ages that, shoot, we done passed up some of these pioneers ages that they made too sadly, but the fact that we now have gotten to a point in our life where we have an appreciation for what it means to be a civil rights activist in your early 20s, like John Lewis, or mm-hmm. to give the speech at the March on Washington in at the young age that MLK did. It. Like you said, man, just like I have a deep appreciation for what these pioneers did, man. And I know we, we learn these lessons at a very young age. We get exposed to this information, but I think it just... It hits different when you get a little bit older and you have a deeper appreciation for the legacy that, that these, mm-hmm. these trailblazers, these pioneers, these visionaries left. It's behind. so
0: much yeah. more than just, the, I have a dream speech. Like obviously that's a, a very important, important time and statement and, and, and movement. But cause that's what I got coming up in the public schools in Philly. Like I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. Okay. Got it. It's so much more and it dives so much deeper. And like you said, the older we get. It, it, it re-energized me because I'm like if somebody can have that much of an impact on the world at that young of an age I'm not done yet I still got a lot more <laughs> I still got a lot more alright man we about to hit this here
1: lightning round let's go so I'm going to preface this statement I may need to leave this in the podcast I'm going to preface this statement first and foremost that black folks are not a monolithic folks we not a monolithic not people
0: all. not at all
1: however comma <laughs> We do have some shared experiences that I think if you talk to any black person, they like, look, man, I can, I can get down with that. And one of them is the, the black family barbecue. I don't know. Is that <laughs> something that hit home with you, brother? You it, 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 am, am, I, am I speaking in familiar territory to you?
0: 150%, man. Like it's part of, like you said, the culture. It's part on, of the man. culture, man. Like I remember growing up in Philly 4th of July Like I said, my family, all my family's from Jamaica. So there would be like a big like Jamaican, like all the Jamaican families would get together and have their own cookout. And that one was off the hook too because you got the Bob Marley music playing, you got the jerk jerk chicken cooking, all that good stuff. But then once I was a teenager and I could drive around, I would now bounce around the city to like friends places and get multiple cookouts. It's part of of the experience. So yeah, barbecue. And now I live in Texas. Barbecue is a whole different... (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh that's a way of life out there buddy it's a way of life i got i've got three (laughs) grills outside i got a smoker i got a glass grill and a commodo grill i don't even know if that's the right way to say it but it's, it's no joke man it's no joke
1: so i'm gonna go with these lightning round questions now go favorite dish at the family barbecue
0: like i said my family's from jamaica so my favorite is gonna be jerk chicken at the jamaican barbecue at the non-Jamaican barbecue, <laughs> at the non-Jamaican barbecue, is gonna be on. It's it's a combo in Texas. I would say it would be brisket, but anywhere else, I would say ribs. Spades or dominoes.
1: Dominoes. Prince. Or, print, go ahead. Prince. Prince or MJ.
0: <laughs> you can't answer that, man. I am. I'm Come not on, go man. Go Come on, man. You on the clock. It depends on the mood I'm in. It depends on you the mood i
1: Overall, I'm M- MJ. Jordan's or Tim's? Stop, man. I'm from Philly. We were Tim's around here. Come on, man. Come on. He said, don't insult me.
0: Don't no, insult me. No, seriously. <laughs> I wore Tim's with shorts. I wore Tim's with khakis. I wore Tim's to church. <laughs> if you didn't have fresh Tim's in Philly, <laughs> man,
1: Man, folks gonna learn about that life today, man. We look. I can't wait for this podcast to drop. i Don't take that part out, man. Here's the part. Too. Hey, look, I may have to heavily edit, but that's
0: gonna stay in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, like... I love Jordan. I love Jordans. Don't get me wrong. I couldn't really afford Jordans growing up, but Tim's, yeah. Oh, Beyonce or Rihanna? I would would be. Queen I love them both, but I roll with B. Timberland or Pharrell? Oh wow, shoot!
1: I'm
0: gonna go with Pharrell.
1: And last, I know I hit a lot of music- musicians. Babyface or Teddy Riley?
0: <laughs> I got face. I got okay. face. Okay, okay. And he you definitely, some... he face definitely won the the verses. That little if... ten,
1: tenderoni. <laughs> Tender Lover, Tender Lover, Tender Lover. Babyface literally
0: pulled out a guitar and did one of his songs, acapella. Like, cappella. again
1: I see you exactly. Can't,
0: you Exactly. You know. And Teddy <laughs> Riley is, don't get me wrong, Teddy Riley's a genius, but his Wi-Fi wasn't working, so. <laughs> I may have to drop a link for people who, people who don't know
1: what we're referencing right now, I may have to drop a link so we put some people on game.
0: Versus, you gotta watch oh, it.
1: Oh, man. Brother, I appreciate you. I did did not anticipate the fun that we were going to have before it got off this call, but
0: (laughs) y'all going to have to edit out all my (laughs) comments. But
1: look, I'm telling, look, you set the bar mighty high. Let me tell you, the bar has been set. I I told you a month
0: or two ago that I I was busy with this transition thing, so I couldn't support.
1: I just wanted to pause at this stage to provide a little additional context. This portion of the conversation took place after the official interview, and if you just noticed, Dion mentioned that uh, he felt bad because I had reached out to him and asked him to support a Breakline event. He told me that he would be unable to do it because he was assisting with a transition And little did I know at the time that he had been asked to step up as the diversity, equity, inclusion policy lead for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security in agency review as part of the presidential transition team for the Biden-Harris administration. So um, I wanted to add this portion back into the podcast just because I think it's emblematic of the humility that Dion carries. Um, but just a tremendous accomplishment, which, um, I would be remiss if we didn't get a chance to share with our listeners. So we'll tune back in,
0: but I got a cool note from the, at the time when he sent the note with the president elect, but I'm going I'm to share it with you, man. Cause it's just one of those things I'm a dude from Philly, man, like to, I saw the envelope and it said, Office of the president-elect. And, I was, and my wife kind of joked as I was opening. She like, what do you think he, he personally signed it? I was like, "Ah, eh, he better have signed it. And I opened up and it, it looks like he actually signed it. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I just sent you a, a screenshot of it, of this, the president saying thanks for taking time out to do the to do the transition team stuff. Because it was exciting stuff, but busy stuff. Bro,
1: this, this is the stuff we're going to share with our grandkids, man.
0: Yep. 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 Literally,
1: I, I didn't share it with you, but my, uh... <clears throat> and shame on me for not knowing this until Actually, quite recently, both my grandparents are HBCU grads, man. My, oh, wow. my grandmother went to Spellman, and my grandfather went to Howard. And wow. um, I'm finally at a stage in life where I'm like going back and retracing their... Cause they have both, unfortunately, have passed away. But I'm finally to a point where I'm going back and retracing their lives and looking at the decisions that they made <laughs> because everybody ain't got it like us, man. And I, I know that we have... Absolutely, work we've dedicated ourselves to excellence, like we've, but there are so many black folks that are literally doing the same things that we have done. But for some happenstance, for some slight of fate, those efforts are not rewarded in the way that our efforts have been rewarded. But just to be able to go back and see how significant those decisions that our ancestors made mm-hmm. were into where we have landed today, and then to see like the legacy that you're going to leave, right? Like with whenever they make that little portfolio or they make that little photo album and they turn the page and it's, wow, like this is a picture of pop. Got hmm. the letter from the president elect. Like that just, it redefines the possible in a way that I think is such a, is such a huge blessing, man. Yeah. So that
0: please, this is one of the things that I've learned and I'll, and I'll leave it at this you do have to, you can be, you have to be humble. I I. I believe in, in, in being hungry and humble, but you do have to make some noise for yourself sometimes because, and to me, if you do it in a smart way, it's not like, but I've realized that if I just sit here, like I can sit here and hope that people are going to pay attention. But I, I look back at my Coast Guard career and it was me taking over the HBCU ambassador program, which led to, that Blacks in Government Award and also got a, an NAACP award was because I finally was like, I was doing the work in the background and I finally was like, stand out, take over. And then when I asked to take over the leadership of the program, they were like, oh, we've been waiting for you. To, and I'm like, oh, okay. I could have stayed in the background, but I was like, all right, I, this is a space that I know I can continue, can add even more value. I just need to step up. So that, not that you don't know that, but I do want to share that, that sometimes you do got to, make sure that you're getting the right levels of visibility because it's so easy for them particularly for us for them to try to overlook us thank you again man i appreciate it keep doing what you're doing man thank you
1: music from today's episode was provided by gabby along courtesy of valerie kingdom records featured songs included gift stuck in my head remix and Rose. We are so proud to also note that Gabby is a member of our Breakline family. Her music can be found on iTunes, Spotify, as well as other streaming platforms. We'd love if you checked it out, and we know she would too. Well folks, that's all we've got for today. This is Kenny Vaughn, your director of Breakline Apex, signing out from the Breakline HQ. We'll see you on the high ground.